Welcome to the 379th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida, and boy, was it sunny here today, 86 degrees and sunshine. That's why we all live in Florida, 60s in the morning, low 80s in the daytime, perfect time of the year. Too bad you guys aren't coming down here to join us for the marathon next weekend. Next weekend is the Stewart Treasure Coast, Stewart, Florida Treasure Coast Marathon. And we are going to have a crew of people running this event. It's going to be exciting. Um, you know, I talk about, you know, all these people coming back. And you see on websites, you know, various plant-based people's website, their success stories. And, you know, how everything looks rosy and everything happened, you know drop 200 pounds without a struggle overnight and while eating whatever and doing whatever. But, you know, it's not without a struggle. And everybody that is running this race has had some sort of struggle. And, you know, we talk about the, the hardest thing about a marathon sometimes is just getting to the start line healthy. And when you are starting unhealthy with lifestyle diseases or something else has happened to you, um, it's even a bigger effort. So it's not just the physical limitations and the challenges of training for a marathon, but it is life itself and what happens day to day and things that people are overcoming on a regular basis that, that are, are you know uh, really putting themselves out here to run this marathon. So I couldn't be more excited um, for the people that are, are coming down to, to run this marathon. Again, it's not without struggle. Uh, a couple of them have had COVID, had to come back. Uh, injuries, you know, a little plantar fasciitis and some shin issues and some, um, you know, health concerns and procedures that people have had to come back from, a struggle with diabetes and nutrition, um, trying to balance life, work, kids, and train for a marathon. But I think biggest thing is people are, that are doing this marathon from our group um, is they're putting themselves out of their comfort zone. Almost, uh, well, to a T, everybody that's, that's doing their first time event is putting themselves out of the comfort zone. They've never fueled for a long run, perhaps. They've never extended themselves this far. They never thought about running the distance before yet they're willing to put themselves out there. They've committed to saying, yes, I'm going to do it to their friends and family. They've bought a ticket to come to Stewart, Florida. And, you know, I, I think it's such a, a great testimony to not knowing the outcome, never having done it before, and going to take on this challenge. And it is a challenge, whether it's 13.1 or 26.2. It's, it's a challenge, and it's, and it's a life-changing event, so to speak. Every one of these people have had multiple great things happen to them during their life, as well as bad things happen to them during their life. But this this will be a life-changing event because physically they're doing a challenge that, that they've not done before. So my hat goes off to them. I can't wait. It's countdown week. Everybody's starting to taper. Um, my toe is ready to go. And uh, I think that I'm going to, Michael and I are going to try to run around like, um, Energizer bunnies over the course. Uh, we're both uh, registered to run, and we're going to run with the half marathoners and get them to a turnaround and maybe head them back to the direction uh, towards the finish line and then go catch the marathoners. And so we're going to make an ultra out of it. Uh, probably we're going to probably try to go for a 30-miler um, that day 
just so we can see people multiple times and bask in their enjoyment of their accomplishments. So can't wait. Uh, weather forecast is for uh, good weather, high 60s, maybe high 70s, maybe a little rain, maybe not, um, but it'll be beautiful. This is a great time of the year down in Florida. So I can't wait to share the results and finish your stories. Maybe I'll get a little bit of audio with some of them after the, the race. We're going to meet up beforehand for at a plant-based restaurant um, and fuel up with plant-based food and get it going and then bask in the enjoyment of success. This Sunday, I'm going to be speaking at our local veg fest here in Punta Gorda, Florida, along with Will Tuttle. Uh, if you haven't read his book, World Peace Diet, it's a great book. He's a great speaker. I look forward to seeing him again. Uh, it's been several years since uh, he was to Florida, and I went to, uh, to hear him speak. So that'll be a, a great idea. I, I kind of struggle with what to talk about uh, at a veg fest. Um, this veg fest has a health oriented, so they actually will deem some of the um, vendors as heart healthy, uh, meaning that they're plant based, no added oil, um, you know, not a lot of preservatives and things. But it turns out that a lot of the veg fest foods are um, what you, you know, carnival veg food, so to speak. And I remember one year somebody came by that was walking along in the park and was kind of just checking out what was going on and they, they thought there'd be a lot of produce. And typically, you know, there's a microgreen stand and maybe a water stand, but typically there hasn't been a lot of produce uh, in the past at these veg fests. And I hope there is this year. I hope we have some people that grow some great mango trees. I, I would like to see more of that at the veg fest as opposed to Again, just get together outside and eat vegan junk food. Um, so it makes it a little difficult. Most of the people that go to a veg fest um, are already vegan uh, because there is some animal activism um, there. At, uh, and a lot of people go um, that are my local uh, members that kind of go and support, support the cause, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I, I want to give a message to them that's different. I, I hate when I go someplace and somebody gives the same talk over and over and over again that you could almost give it yourself. So I'd like to do something a little bit different. And um, I think what I'm going to talk about then, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit now, is some of the difficulties of being plant-based and it and one of the conversations came up in our in our potluck last week in the office and it was even though the eating plant-based and no added oil and mainly produce is great and you feel good and you recover good and get rid of your medicines it's still really difficult socially um you know one person you know was very very true nobody invites us to dinner nobody wants to eat with us um, you know, we're kind of outcast. Even if you bring your own food, people feel guilty about eating terrible food if you're eating uh, healthy food in front of them. So that's, that's an issue. Your options are to get new friends and plant-based people. And part of the reason why I started the practice like I have the practice is to have a membership where we can have nutrition classes and potlucks and, and introduce people that are like-minded that want to be healthy and reverse disease and, and eat healthy and by growing those numbers when people go out and they demand healthy food or they only frequent places that they can get uh, a pretty healthy um, meal, it helps to increase the choices. You know, everybody watches. Nobody wants to go 
belly up if they're a restaurant and they serve, you know, whole food, plant-based, no added oil, and nobody wants it, nobody eats it. Um, that's not going to work. Produce, does, produce doesn't last as long. So it's difficult for people that run restaurants as well to be able to offer something. But nevertheless, if enough people support the people that do, that always, obviously helps. If you support your local store that carries organic produce or your local farmer that, that, that carries organic produce, they'll, they'll carry more of it. Uh, everybody watches what's, what's a seller, what's not a seller. So sitting home and complaining about it doesn't necessarily, you know, help the situation. But, you know, how much do you have to actually compromise when you go out? And unfortunately, you know, again, people don't want to, you know, not everybody wants to be healthy. Not everybody wants to make a change. And you can't, you can't force that. Which leads me into, you know, um, people are looking for reasons why this way of eating doesn't work. So I think the title of my talk on Sunday will be Headliners, because there were two really um, somewhat irritating headliners this week um, in the Journal of American Medical Association that kind of threw plant-based nutrition under the bus, so to speak. The first study uh, was actually published in Frontiers in, in Nutrition, and it was by the Population Health Department. It was a very small study, and it was based in the UK. Um, the questionnaires were from people that lived in England, Wales, and Scotland. And there was a cohort of 399,586 people that they picked people from. Um, but they looked at, with a questionnaire, tablespoons of vegetables. So that's the only thing in, in, that they looked at, cooked vegetables versus raw vegetables. So they looked at four different types, zero vegetables, one to two tablespoons of raw vegetables, three to four tablespoons of raw vegetables, and greater than five tablespoons of raw vegetables. And then they looked at zero to one, two to three, four to seven, and greater than eight cooked vegetables. And then they looked at a primary cardiovascular mortality and morbidity, such as heart attacks and strokes. And the secondary endpoint was looking at heart attacks, strokes, and all-cause mortality. Again, they measured it in tablespoons. Tablespoons of raw versus tablespoons of cooked. Nothing else. So whether you ate meat, whether you ate butter, whether you, you know, chased it with uh, butter coffee or a bunch of greasy whatever, um, didn't look about that. Look, didn't look at that. Only looked at tablespoons of vegetables. So there was a questionnaire. The average age of the people that filled out the questionnaire were 56 years of age. And the average amount of raw vegetables was 2.3 to 2. Uh, versus 2.8 tablespoons um, of cooked vegetables. And there were 18,000 cardiovascular events documented. 4,400 were that secondary to cardiovascular disease. And they came up with that raw vegetables was slightly statistically significant at decreasing cardiovascular events, but cooked wasn't. And the headline 
that was reported in Medscape and various places was, you know, does vegetables really help with cardiovascular disease? And of course, I got text message from friends, um, unfortunately, physician friends who have since fallen off the plant-based wagon who don't invite me to dinner <laughs> because I eat healthy, um, saying, hey, this looks good, but did you see what happened here? That doesn't really work. And my reply to them was, did you actually look at the study? Um, questionnaires over years, period of time, for people to recall whether or not they ate how many tablespoons of vegetables, it'd be pretty difficult for me to do a history right now, uh, a dietary history to tell you how many tablespoons of vegetables and fruits I ate today. I'd have to count up every tablespoon that I ate today, um, and I have no idea how many tablespoons. Uh, my friends tell me I eat way too fast, so it'd be hard to account to them accurately even if I wanted to. But it was certainly multiple, multiple times eight tablespoons or six tablespoons. But again, people run with that, you know, idea. And of course, the study said, you know, there are limitations. They didn't take into account various things and, um, you know, vegetable availability and how people prepare things and what they use and what else do they do. Um, but the headline is what grabs me that people just run with, okay, you know what, um, you know, eating, and oh, and the best thing, it didn't, it, it, it also included if you had a burger, the lettuce and tomato, that could count in your tablespoons. So basically, you could eat a junk food diet and have lettuce and tomato on your sandwich. You could have probably taken it off and still counted it. I don't know if the packet of ketchup for the fries, potatoes counted as well. Um, but if you, you know, use the ketchup packets as well, uh, perhaps that worked too. Um, but it's very disappointing that the medical community, one, published that study, two, bragged about it. Um, you know, places like Medscape, you know, people do headlines as far as studies, pop, studies published for the week, and people are seeing that. So, you know, if someone were, as a physician, going to recommend a diet, and certainly nobody's going to say, well, hey, we can reverse your heart disease, or we, you don't have to take your statin, you can do a plant-based diet as long as you eat five, five tablespoons of vegetables. Nobody's going to do that. Um, it is back to the old eat healthy, eat in moderation, exercise, whatever that might be. Maybe somebody will have read the 150 minutes for the American Heart Association and, and let it go. So very disappointing that uh, we can't move the ball forward in the general medical community and very disappointing that people are quick to throw eating plants under the bus. If any of you are a little bit nervous right now and are wondering, well, maybe she got it wrong, there's also another study, the PURE study that you can look, uh, and I can reference as well, 135,000 people showed a decreased mortality in eating uh, mostly raw vegetables. It was out of Australia. Um, but again, you know, when we look at dietary history, that's, that's the kind of the problem with, with plant-based nutrition. You can't randomly control, do a randomized controlled placebo trial that, you know, one, you know what you're going to eat, so you have to put it in some sort of form so you couldn't taste the difference. And how are you going to follow people over time? And 
Is it ethical to tell people not to eat any vegetables and get vitamin and mineral and nutrient deficient? You know, you're going to give some vitamins, some not. So that's never going to happen. Um, but we all agree that there's so many properties in fruits and vegetables. And again, in society that eat a lot, not just tablespoons, seem to do very well. Blue zones uh, and every other society that has a low incidence of cardiovascular disease, including um, you know, some of the hunter-gatherer tribes. When it comes to, you know, what age should you have to eat plant-based? Should you wait till you're old? Can you start your kids? Uh, is there any uh, benefit from anybody else? And, you know, if I look at a young population, less than 20, uh, maybe the 20 to 39, children 40 plus, 80 plus, you know, I can show, again, the graph of improvement in overall survival. People that eat more vegetables um, tend to, it's beginning at any age, mathematical models. We also know that kids that don't eat dairy have uh, less asthma, less juvenile diabetes, less risk of prostate and breast cancer as they get older, less obesity, um, better dental health. Kids that chew need less braces. They actually develop their jaw as opposed to eating mushy type french fries and soft hot dogs and things like that that they actually don't have to chew. Women that are plant-based, uh, that are eating a mainly vegetable diet, less weight gain with, with pregnancy if you're eating less processed food, less indigestion uh, with pregnancy, better overall health, um, antioxidants, less risk of cold, better immune function. You know, take it back on into the 30s and 40s, less arthritis, less joint issues, better recovery from... Uh, illness, decreased risk of cancer when you're not, you know, again, accumulating metabolic waste, decreased risk of diabetes. The next study that I'm um, irritated about was actually published in the uh, Journal of American Medical Association, and that was the name of this study is Associations Between Unprocessed Red Meat and processed meat with risk of recurrence and mortality in patients with stage three colon cancer. So now the question is, if you already have stage three colon cancer, is it that risky to eat red meat or processed meat? And is processed meat just bad so you can eat red meat? And so this was another observational study that looked at a thousand, started with 1,095, patients with stage three colon cancer. And they did two surveys, three months into their diagnosis and six months, up to six months after chemotherapy. Only 981 completed the second survey. Um, women were excluded if they had less than 500 calories in or greater than 3,500 calories a day. Men were excluded if they had less than 800 or more than 4,200 calories per day. And there were people that were also excluded that died um, within three months or had recurrent disease. So you can see how the population in that study started to dwindle pretty quickly. And what they came up with was that based on what they ate at three and six months, following them up for six years showed no increased or decreased survival if they ate red meat or processed meat. So again, it comes down to a mathematical model that we've excluded people that eat, um, that were very sick and couldn't eat very many calories or that were morbidly obese and ate way too many calories, people that died, people that had recurrence of disease, 
Um, and so we were left with a population that was probably prone to do well regardless. The five-year survival for colon cancer that is uh, around seven, uh, stage three is somewhere around 70 to 80%. So 70 to 80% with treatment, exclude those various groups that weren't doing well, and you would expect the people to be okay and survive. So I don't um, um, think you can put much weight on processed meat uh, or unprocessed red meat being a cancer extender. They even went as far as saying that carbohydrates may have make it worse. Um, it's pretty hard to believe that if once you get significant colon cancer, all of a sudden the stuff that caused you to get colon cancer or increased your risk of colon cancer is going to make you do better. We know that the gut microbiome is affected by red meat, animal products in general, causes more inflammation, uh, more inflammatory compounds, certainly processed with nitrates as a carcinogen. The amount of meat intake is increased in our environment that colonoscopies are now recommended at age 45 versus 50. So the diagnosis of colon cancer is backing up further and further um, for some reason in our population, in the Western world. And it is associated with increased meat consumption. And again, even if we left colon cancer death rates out of it, increased animal product consumption is associated with increased cardiovascular disease, increased cholesterol, increased inflammatory conditions as well. So the health of our population is not getting better because we're eating more meat and not enough fruits and vegetables. It also goes back to the reductionist viewpoint in that if we're looking at a specific disease, whether a specific food causes an increase or decrease in that particular disease, is a very difficult study to perform and actually come to any kind of valid conclusion. What is your health span like? Do you have diverticular disease? Do you have chronic constipation? Do you have infections? Do you have heart disease, diabetes, obesity? Uh, autoimmune diseases, are you in and out of the hospital just because you got your colon cancer resected and had chemotherapy? Are you going to have to have another procedure done? How many procedures do people actually expect to have um, over age 50? Just because you survived surgery and chemotherapy and it takes a while for a tumor to grow back is not a good enough reason in my mind to chance fate and eat the thing that we know increases your risk of a decreased health span. And ultimately, a lot of people that have cancer don't die of cancer, they die of cardiovascular disease. It is still the number one killer in the United States. So again, it's, you know, we, we tend to be afraid of cancer and not afraid of cardiovascular disease because it seems as though they're always going to be a procedure, a stent or a bypass, and everybody knows someone that's had one of those procedures done and seems to come back, and, and we feel invincible from those cardiac conditions. But it's the cancer and the chemotherapy, maybe because people lose their hair, or they get sick, or they lose a lot of weight, or they look a lot worse than when people have a heart attack suddenly and die, or they have multiple stents and bypasses you don't see. They don't look as bad. So we're not, a, we're not as afraid of cardiovascular disease as we are of cancer. So these studies, again, you know, they, they seem to um, be 
on par with, you know, eat what you want, doesn't really matter, um, we'll do a therapy or a, or a procedure and, you know, we can keep you going. Um, and there's not much you can do. Uh, you just have to wait, keep getting your procedures, keep getting your screens, and then the medical community will give you a medicine uh, or take something out and fix you up and you can go on your own, on, on your own merry way. I guess we can circle all the way back around to eating healthy is not the popular choice in most circumstances. It's even hard for physicians. If you go to the doctor's lounge or you see what doctor's eating, you see them out uh, to dinner with the drug representatives or the um, device representatives, they're typically going to go to a steakhouse or a restaurant that is um, a very high fat, high salt cuisine. So it's really hard to be able to spend a day telling people how they should eat a whole food, plant-based diet, avoid oil um, while they're getting ready to go out and have a big steak and uh, a lot of greasy food or a greasy pizza or whatever uh, that makes them feel good as well. So everything has to be taken into context. Um, and this is not for everybody. Uh, we'll go back to it. I practiced medicine a long time the traditional way where I saw consults with people with heart disease on medications and I titrated medications for heart disease and I titrated medications for diabetes and high blood pressure and did procedures and followed people with stress tests on a yearly basis and I never took anybody off of medications and they never ran a marathon, they never say I felt great. Um, they would continue their, their same old ways with more pain and medication and, and diagnosis that would be accumulated as, as they went on. And just accepted that as part of, of getting old. You know, people say the golden years and all those other um, little blurbs that people say in Florida that, you know, you have to be brave to get old and, and so and so forth. But when I changed the practice, all of a sudden, people started coming to me that wanted to have a better health span, wanted to be more in control of their health and have a say and be able to direct their own health care and, and not feel like a victim, like they could actually do something that helped themselves. And so I'm proud to say that those people are doing well. Um, maybe they don't get invited to dinner as much. Uh, maybe they don't get to go to every greasy spoon up and down uh, the road that's, that's available, or they choose not to. They could, but they choose not to. But for the first time, I'm seeing people come off of their medication, come off their insulin, come off their blood pressure medicine, not have to have procedures, not have to have chest discomfort, feel good, skin looks good, feel energetic. And that didn't happen before. So maybe I have a skewed, and I do have a skewed population now. I have people that want to be healthy and want to, to live a certain way. But again, it's not a big percentage of people that want to do that. The large majority are out there in the, the mainstream with the main uh, greasy spoon restaurants and the fast food restaurants. The organic produce aisle is small. The vegan, you know, the, the, the menu for plant-based people is, is small. Uh, that's because we don't have a big population. Perhaps the veg fests um, that are occurring will attract more people when they see healthier people. 
I hope that the message is one of inclusion and happiness and demonstration of being healthy. And that's what we're going to do next weekend at the marathon. You know, uh, we're going to celebrate health and wellness from a variety of different illnesses that people have come back from. And, it, and it's really important to me. I, I think it's a, it's a win for everybody to say, hey, I can do something different and I can be a ch- in charge of my own health. I can choose to eat a certain way and I'm getting good results and I feel good about it. So I commend those people that want to. I'm certainly not angry with those who don't want to do it. It's not for everybody. But if you're interested in doing that and you would like some health, it doesn't matter what your age is. Um, The funny part about it is my practice used to be in Florida. Um, Probably mainly, I would say the average age of my original practice was probably 70 to 75. Now we're back down into the, you know, maybe 55 to 60. We have 30-year-olds. We have a few 20-year-olds. Um, we still have a couple of 90-year-olds uh, in their mid-90s, several actually. Um, but we have a much younger population because, one, unfortunately, people are getting illnesses at earlier and early a- earlier ages, and they don't want to. They want to f- figure out how to, how to reverse it and, and not have these things, and they want their family to be healthy. So it's, it's been a real pleasure in, in making this transition. But I'm also enjoying seeing people um, that are, are living well and healthy uh, well into their 90s. So anyway, if you'd like to learn more about our practice, you can go on over to Jamie, uh, sorry, drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com. You can email me at jamie, J-A-M-I, at drdelaney.com to, uh, with any questions. And who knows, maybe someday I'll run a marathon with you. We're going to be doing the Treasure Coast next week, and then in April we'll be back to Texas in the Houston area for the uh, Brazos 50-miler, and then in June out to Colorado to Pikes Peak Trail Marathon, and who knows, probably back to Texas if I can to find another trail race because some pretty special people live out there. So don't be able, don't be afraid to be to choose healthy, you know, let your produce guy at your local supermarket know that you want organic, that you want an increased selection of vegetables, you want certain fruits. Um, They'll get them in if you'll eat them. And they might even cut you a deal on a box of them. You know, let your restaurants know that you want some healthy options and that you'll support them if you have a few healthy options. Give them some ideas of what you'd like to make when you go there. Um, Be kind, ask nicely, and, you know, show off. A good body, show off a med-free medicine cabinet, show off being healthy and happy, and who knows, maybe others will want to be just like you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week with some exciting news.